Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. So this month, uh, we've got a focus on by design, as uh, Pastor Jeff mentioned. It's really looking about how God has designed each of us uniquely. And there are plans and there are purposes for every single one of us. Um, And I know I appreciate that people are from different backgrounds and some of you might be uh, reasonably new to church, others have been here for quite a while. And so I want to say particularly for the people that are new to church or new to this uh, type of a church, when you hear someone like me say that God's got a plan, God's got a purpose, you might be thinking, yeah, but I'm not one of those God people. Well, let me tell you, everyone's a God people because God's created every single one of us. And whether you're there yet as far as getting the full understanding on what God has for you, let me assure you, he's got amazing, great things for you. And I believe that by the end of this message, you will have a far greater insight uh, into that, along with all of the believers as well. So this week, uh, tonight, this, and this morning as well, I'm not going to go that long, but this morning, my title is What's in Your Hand? So I want to start off by looking at two passages in the Bible that we're going to be exploring and moving through today. So we're going to kick off with uh, Exodus chapter 3, and then we'll move forwards into Exodus chapter 4. So starting with Exodus chapter 3, and we're looking at verses 10 through to 12. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to the people? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. We're going to come back to that shortly, but we'll also move forward now to Exodus chapter 4. And we really pretty much continue the story here from verses 1 through to 5. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out, took hold of the snake and it turned back into, it turned into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their father, the fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. That's a pretty amazing story. And if you Miss some of the uh, important stuff there. Um, in verse 3, where the Lord says, throw it on the, on the ground, turns to a snake. Verse 4, the Lord said, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Who'd do that? Any brave people here? You've got a stick. And God says, throw it on the ground. Okay, I could do that. No harm, no foul, not a problem. And this thing turns into a snake. Like, that would absolutely freak me out. I'm not a snake fan in the first place. And then to see this thing, the snake. And then God says, hey, by the way, pick it up by the tail. Now, I've watched a a bit of um, TV where they do snake handling, and I'm pretty sure you're not meant to grab a tail by its snake. You're meant to try and get it near the head to at least protect yourself. So God's like, take a step of faith, Moses, take a huge step of faith, and grab that sucker by the tail, and, you know, it should be okay. But this is amazing. Moses just does that. He doesn't come back, which I would have, was like, God, don't you mean the head, and why should I actually do that? Moses just, no arguments, just grab the snake by the tail, And bang, it turned back into a stick. So I suppose, firstly, if God tells you to do something, you've got to be able to trust him, that he knows what he is doing. That's your first takeaway. But let's get on to the official stuff. Uh, Point number one that I want to talk about uh, this morning, which, of course, is in your notebooks also. Point one, God calls, we doubt. 
God calls, we doubt. And I'm not talking about Moses just doubting about the snake thing. We're going to be revealing more uh, about that. I want to go back to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 10, just to start to unpack this, where it says, So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. That is God calling. So God calls. He will always give us clear instructions. And there's the beginning of it. He's saying to Moses, Go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people back. So there's the calling that comes from God. As we continue on, verse 11 says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So there's the encouragement from God. There's the calling of him, Hey, go and do this. But what happens then? Moses doubts. And that is so human, and this is not piling on Moses. I think that would be my response as well. When God, If God asked me to do something, in my mind that was like, I just can't do this. So even though you know it's God, I think it's pretty natural that there is this doubting that can come into our mind. So God calls and we doubt. So let me encourage you that when God is speaking to you about something, if you start to have doubts initially, I think that's okay. It actually just means you're human. Now what you do with that doubt, how you work through that, that's the thing that God wants us to be able to work through. But with the doubt thing, let's stop for a moment and look at doubt and see what happens when we get into that doubt perspective. First of all is that when we doubt God, our plans and our focus shift from him to us. That's natural. Because if we didn't doubt, then we'd be looking at God all the time. But we immediately look to ourselves. And that's where the seeds of doubt start to happen. So the critical thing that happens in that process is that you take your eyes off God. And you start looking to yourself. And that's not a great place. The moment that we start looking inwardly, that's not a great place uh, to live. And we should never be looking inwardly. You know, if you're walking with Jesus, if you say that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, we never saved ourselves. Jesus did. So why do we start looking at ourselves for the outcome of the things that God wants us to do? God brought us Jesus in the first place to save us, so God will bring us the solutions as well, just working through us, but it doesn't all have to be coming from within inside of us. Now, when things get tough, it's very natural to wince, to, to pull away uh, and to look away, and I'm sure we've all seen this. You know, I'm seeing moments on television where there's some sort of sporting event or maybe you've been at a live sporting venue and you know the moment. Someone's rushing towards someone else and you can see there's a collision that's going to be here. It's going to hurt. It's not going to be pretty. And if you're a bit like me, you kind of like shield your eyes. You, you look away a little bit. We, that's just natural human response, isn't it? We don't want to see just nasty stuff happen and uh, affect people. It's just too much. That's a natural coping mechanism to look away. But that's not the response that God wants from us when he's calling us to do something. He wants us to be focused on him. We're looking away from the wrong one for the wrong reasons. We need to be looking to him for the things that he wants us to do. Now, it's also a quite, it's, a, it's all right, I think, different times to say to God, how is this going to happen? See, there's a difference between the how question to God and the no, this can't because, and you basically teaching God and helping him understand that no, this thing can't actually happen. But I think it's okay to say, God, can't see this. How? How's a good question? Because how will give got an opportunity to unpack it to you rather than just, you know, assuming that you know exactly what to do. So the how should be with an open heart of, okay, how is this going to happen, God? 
How's it all going to pan out for me? So really, it's a case of I don't know how to do this yet. And I think it's okay to add the word yet on the end of that because it is going to be a journey that you're going to be following with God. It, of course, requires trust in God, but uh, the Bible tells us that we can trust him in so many places. I've just got a couple of references for you, uh, and many of you probably know some of these verses, so maybe just grab the references uh, and you can read them at a later point if you're not that familiar with them. First one, Deuteronomy 3, uh, 31.6 says, He will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's just not on Mondays. That's every day of the week. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. These are good for all time because God never changes. So these promises are true no matter what your circumstances are. And I know at different times you can read those and go, I'm not feeling that. That's okay. God doesn't ask us to feel. He asks us to believe and just to push in on faith and believe what he says in his word. So back to those opening scriptures, Exodus 3 and verse 12 picks it up and and God said, I will be with you and this will be the sign. So God confirms, I will be with you. So we're looking at God calls, we doubt. That's understandable. But the thing is, he calls, we doubt, but then he confirms. And we should then be starting to walk away from that doubt and walk closer to the one that called us and not be focusing on the situations that can easily distract. All right, take a breath. That's point number one. This isn't hurting too much, is it? Point two, we see problems. God shows us solutions. I just love that. That is so much God's nature. We see problems. God shows us solutions. Again, back in Exodus, I'm just going to refer to this again, Exodus 3 and verse 13. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? So when God calls us to do something, we can only see the problems initially. Again, because we're looking at ourselves. We can start to make excuses. We can focus on the barriers. We can focus on the negative. And that easily happens. And when I think about this passage in the Bible, I don't think this is God ganging up on Moses and airing all his dirty laundry and saying, well, this guy Moses, he was always questioning. He was always doubting. He couldn't see solutions. He only saw problems. I don't think that's why this is in the Bible. This is in the Bible to show us our human condition. It's to show us our humanity. It's to show us a God who understands how we react and how we respond when he gives us challenges that we think we can't do in ourselves. And guess what? That's right. We can't do those things in ourselves. We need to do these things with God. But he absolutely wants to use us, and that's why he asks us to. If you want someone to help you, don't you ask them for help? If you need a tradesperson to come to your home, you don't try and do it yourself unless you've got those skills. You ask somebody who you believe has the skills. So when God asks you to do something, he knows you've got the skills because he created you. And he's got a plan and a purpose for all of us. So we need to look beyond initially seeing the excuses. We need to look beyond the initial barriers and the potential problems that we might see. And if you've got a personality type uh, like mine, which is very analytical, very critical, I'm great at spotting the problems. But through the grace of God, I look beyond that and I say, okay, well, here's where something could go wrong. What's the solution, God? How can we try and make this better? But ultimately, where are we going? And if that's your personality type, 
I got to tell you from personal experience, you've got to walk a walk of faith. You cannot rely on your own humanity, your own ability to work things out, to come to logical solutions. You won't find logic in the things of faith. Logic says you can't walk on water. Logic says you can't heal the dead. Logic says you can't walk through walls. Logic says you can't be saved through someone who you've never actually seen. But this is all about a walk of faith, not about logic. So operate in faith. So making excuses... If we only see the barriers, then we're not going to be able to see a way out. And I think what also happens when we're looking for excuses or we see the barriers, again, it's human tendency, we always try and find a shorter way out. Who loves doing a shortcut? I do. I hear on the radio, and actually this caught me out this week. I was driving uh, into the office here during the week, um, and uh, they've got the traffic reports on in the morning, and I was actually coming from the other direction of town earlier before I came into the office, and I saw uh, this major road that was all clogged up. I thought, oh, gee, I've got to go back there in about 10 minutes. I'm not going that way. I'm going to take a shortcut. Guess how long my shortcut took me? 25 minutes. And then I hear on the radio, oh, there's no problems at all on the traffic. So the problem that I thought was there was gone by the time I got there. And my shortcut was not a shortcut at all. Now, I wasn't late to my appointment, but it just took way longer. So, you know, sometimes the shortcuts are not the shortcut that you think they are. And it comes down to, you know, us thinking that we know better than God. It's like, no, don't take those shortcuts. And here's the other thing. Try not to put things off. If God has asked you to do something... He's aware of the date and the time. He's got a calendar. He knows it's February 2020. So if he asks you to do something, it's not because he thinks it's 1980. And it's not because he's ahead of himself and he thinks it's the year 2030. He knows what today's date is. So in a timing perspective, if God has asked you to do something, then it kind of means now. Unless he unpacks the vision and says this is for now and this is for then and that's for then, that's fine. But if he asks you that he wants you to do something now or is leading you to do something now, then now is the time to do it. And putting things off, you'll miss it. And it can, in a natural sense, can cause more problems. Um, Who loves going to the dentist? Not many hands I wouldn't think. Some people do. I'm going to find out why that is necessarily. But good on you. It's good for oral hygiene. But uh, for many people I know, they don't like it, and so they will put off going to the dentist, even when there's a problem. Now, I'm not talking about regular checkups. That's a good thing, of course, you should do. But if you've got a dental problem, it's like, oh, my tooth's been aching, or I've got, really, got an issue with my gums, and I don't know, people won't go, like, put it off. It's like, how does that work out? Not normally all that well. Chances are the problem gets worse and worse and worse. And had you gone straight away, it would have been a lot easier rather than later. Same with the doctor's. You know, we've got incredible faith sometimes in nothing, I think. Incredible faith in inaction. I'm sore, I've got some sort of pain in my body, but I don't want to go to the doctors in case I get news that I'm not going to be pleased to hear. It's like, okay, well, you've still got the issue. Not hearing about it isn't really going to help it. And if it's a serious issue, waiting longer causes more problems. So faith, <laughs> faith where that works is dead. So I really, really need to uh, do things. When God asks us to do something, it means that he wants us to do it pretty much now. The other thing that happens uh, when God asks us to do something, I think, and I'm speaking from my own personal experience, I like to help God out sometimes and remind him all the reasons why this won't actually work. And I'm sure he just sits there, I don't know, tapping his thumb or doing whatever. Um, But there's this need of, God, this won't happen because of dot, dot, dot. Now, he loves me, and I know he listens, Uh, but hopefully he doesn't uh, respond to those things from me. 
But when you go to God with the, God, I don't think this is going to happen because of, can I encourage you, stay in the conversation with God. It's okay to respond and go, God, I can't see how this is going to happen because. But I know that so many times in my life, when I've been praying to God and saying, God, this, here's this issue and I don't know what to do. If I stop my prayer time, walk out the room, I've lost an opportunity for God to speak into my life. But if I stick around just a little bit more, just quietly, just here's a concept, say nothing sometimes in your prayer time and allow God to be able to speak to you. Let him know what the issue is, but give him time to respond, to give some direction, to give some input. Stick around and uh, let him do what he would like to do. And, uh, you know, I know that if you're asking for directions from God, that is great. But just understand how directions from God are going to work. They're pretty much the same as directions from somebody else. What do I mean by that? If you are needing some directions from somebody to get from point A to point B, let's say, for example, I wanted to know, how do I get to Fremantle from here? So if you're relatively new to Perth, this is referred to as kind of like the CBD. Fremantle is down near the coast. Uh, it's around about 15 kilometres if you were to actually take wings and fly there, a little bit longer according to the roads. So it's not a quick journey necessarily, but there's a process to get there. And normally if you would ask people, they might give you some instructions. They could say, oh, well, if you head down to the freeway and then take one of the off-ramps, either uh, Canning Highway or Leach Highway, or maybe you might want to go along Stirling Highway past the university, or maybe head straight to the coast and then turn a left and head down that way, that would be somebody giving you some useful instructions. But how many would expect that person to hop in the car with you and go all the way? Probably not many people. I mean, that would be pretty amazing if someone did that, if you trust them and they weren't a weirdo and they're not going to freak you out. Maybe that'd be nice to be able to do that, but you wouldn't expect that, would you? You'd ask for the directions, great, thank you very much. But how many of us ask instructions of God and want him to be there every step of the way and to do everything for us and to turn the wheel for us at the appropriate time and to flick the indicators on and off and to check for merging traffic? God generally isn't going to do that. He puts us in the driver's seat for a very good reason. He wants us to drive our lives. He's giving us instructions, he's giving us the directions, but he wants us to respond to those instructions. So ask away by all means, but just don't expect God to do everything for you. Otherwise, why would he ask you in the first place? Picking up uh, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 16, starts off by saying, this is God speaking to Moses, Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, and you can read the rest of that later. I'm focusing on that part of the verse because he gives us a plan, but then he reveals the steps to us. God's not a practical joker. If he asks you to do something and if you inquire of him, he will give you direction, he will give you insight along the way. So he gives us a plan, but he also reveals what those steps are. And if you think, why would he do that? Well, he's got a vested interest. Why would he ask you to do something? unless he didn't want you to find out how to go about doing that. Okay, so that's point number two. We see problems. God shows us solutions. I think it's just absolutely amazing things. Point number three. We bring our ordinary. God makes it extraordinary. This is just incredible stuff. And so now we're moving on to uh, Exodus chapter 4, like we did at the beginning of this message, and we're looking at verses 1 to 2. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, 
What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Now, staff, think of that as a, a walking stick. So basically, what's in his hand? A stick. I find it interesting that God would say, what's in your hand? Like, has God got a vision problem? Does he need to go to Specsavers and get some glasses? Why would God be asking Moses to say what is in his hand? You know why? Because he wanted Moses to look around, look at his life circumstances and see what resources he already had. Not even stuff that was yet to come. He wanted Moses to realize, Moses, you've got more than you think you've got. It's already there. It's already equipped. And how, how can that be so common in our lives that there can be things inside of our lives and we don't even see that? It's just incredible. I, um, several years ago in uh, another place that I was working with, I was talking to somebody about some of the, the IT stuff that I was doing. And it's interesting, I mentioned before a bit about my personality. And if you would ask me to classify myself as a creative person, my response a while back was, no, I'm not creative because I can't paint. Uh, I'm not good at doing those creative types of things. Um, I don't have amazing giftings like so many of the people that you see up here on the platform, which people think of as being creative. So in my mind, all my parameters of being creative, I didn't tick any of those boxes. So I classified myself as not being creative. And then this guy was asking me what I'd actually done within the workplace. And I was telling him about a, data, a computer database that I had designed um, that was working with uh, fleet management vehicles. It was managing a fleet of uh, $4 million worth of vehicles. And it basically would track when you needed to buy them, when you needed to sell them, when they were due for a service, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, Bruce, did you design all this? And I said, yes. And he says, wow. And this guy wasn't a Christian. And we weren't talking church things. We were talking work things. And he said, wow, you're incredibly creative. And this guy floored me. I thought, what? I said, why, do you, why would you say that I'm creative? He says, it's incredibly creative to be able to build this from the ground up, to see all these things that need to come together and to be able to build it and actually make it work. He said, that is incredibly creative. And so I thought, wow, thank you, God. I'm creative after all. So we can put boundaries on the stuff that we think we don't have, but it can be there all along. We just perhaps are looking at it from the wrong perspective. So that's one of the many reasons, I'm sure, why God asked Moses, what is in your hand? Oh, it's just a stick. Well, it's more than that. So let me ask you this. What's your stick? The title of the message is, what's in your hand? So what's your stick? And if you're like me, by the grace of God, you realize you've got more than one stick. And that's not being proud. That's boasting in God, who's done amazing things in every single one of us. We all carry many, many sticks. But if you just think about a few of them, uh, what is your stick? And when you think about the stick, you can think about what it can't do. Why don't you focus on what it can do? We've had so many people that I've had the privilege of uh, speaking conversations over the years at Metro uh, and along things like the EFM course, uh, which really encourage you to come along and be a part of that. And a lot of conversations that flow out of that is that I've had people, and I want to give you two examples of people that spoke to me about where they told me they had a stick and then they immediately told me what the stick couldn't do. And I just showed them what the stick could actually do. So one of them was some people that say, well, look, I'd love to do things, but I'm not really a great people person. So like, I don't like to do a lot of interaction with people, particularly strangers, people that uh, you know, I don't really know. Uh, and I certainly don't want to be up on the stage where everyone gets to look at me, but I'd love to do something for God, but I don't think I can do anything. It's like, hang on, let's, you're looking at the stick from the wrong perspective. And so for one person, I said, do you like praying? Oh, I love praying. I said, great, we've got a prayer team. 
And if you love praying for things, then we get prayer requests every Sunday and all throughout the week. And we send those off to the prayer team and we ask those team members to pray for those things over the whole weekend and as ongoing as they wish to. Do you think that's something that you could do? Oh, I would love to do that. So this person was looking at their stick from the wrong perspective. Someone else said, look, I I love the idea of the the children's ministry, Metro Kids and Families, but I don't know if I've really got it in me to teach the kids and I don't know if I'd really be able to cope with that, but I love the idea of what Metro Kids does. And I said, well, do you know there's other opportunities other than just teaching? I said, have you got any admin or clerical skills? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty good at a computer. Fantastic. You can be part of the registration team or doing back office work for the children's ministry. So another matching of somebody there. So what's your stick? Maybe have a fresh look at your stick and see what it can do. I've got an image to show you because this is another stick that is now far from a stick. Have a look at this. That's a recorder. Now, I had a look on Amazon and uh, you can buy El Cheapo plastic ones for under 10 bucks. Um, But this one is made of wood, and I wanted to give the demonstration of that's a stick, but I think it's far from a stick. This is currently available in Australia for only $1,900. That's a little bit more than the special for nine bucks on Amazon.com. It's made of satin wood. Uh, It's a treble recorder, and the brand is uh, Denner, if that means anything to anybody. All I know is, wow, almost $2,000 for a stick. But... uh, If you enjoy good quality things, then it's not just a stick, is it? Same with cars. It's just a car. No, it's not just a car. Depending on what car you've got, it's not just a car. Not just a stick. So what's your stick? And that thing started out life, obviously, as a reasonably straight piece of wood. Otherwise, a beautiful flute would not have been made out of it. But somebody needed to put some work into that stick to bring out the full potential of what was always in that stick. That stick was always potentially an amazingly crafted musical instrument to be used by someone who knows how to use it. You have so many sticks in your life with so much potential and God is the craftsman and he wants to form in you and through you all the things that he has designed for you to be able to play out the things of life that he has for you. So you are more than just a piece of wood. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 4. And we'll resume on verses 2 through to 5. Then the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. We read this before. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. The Lord said to him, Reach out your hand, take it by the tail. So Moses reached out, took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers and Abraham, the God of Isaac, God of Jacob, has appeared to you. What's the takeaway here? You use your ordinary and God will turn it into the extraordinary. Just bring what you think is not that great and see what the master can do with that. When you do that, you make room for the, spirit, uh, for the supernatural. You make room for the spiritual. You allow him to operate through you and for him. Let's resume again, uh, Exodus chapter 4, this time verses 6 to 7. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak. No biggie there. I'd probably do that if God asked me to do that. But now look what happens. When he took it out, the skin was leprous and it became as white as snow. That would freak me out. Verse 7. Now put it back into your cloak. I think I'd probably trust God to do that because it was fine before I did this. Then I did this. 
problem. Let's try the reverse thing. Moses put his hand back into his cloak. He took it out. It was restored like the rest of his flesh. Why does God give us that interesting part of the story? I think he's trying to tell us that there are many ways that he can do things. He gave us a plan A, throw the stick on the ground. But he also gave Moses a plan B. Look, if this doesn't work, then try a plan B. And I don't think it's a case of God's not sure about his own capability, but he knows that different things will relate to different people in different ways. So he's covering all the bases here. He's saying, okay, Moses, here's plan A. This will work for these people. But these guys over here, not, I deliberate the point, there's no one up there, by the way. That's why I use that example. These people up here, let's do a plan B for them. So God's wanting to always equip us and help us all the way through. Let's keep going because here's a plan C, verse 8 and 9. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, pour it on dry ground. The water you take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. God's nothing if not dramatic, isn't he? I'm just like, wow, water becomes blood. That would not be great. So he even gives plan C's on there. I think that's just amazing. But none of it happens unless we come to God and work with him. So that's point three. We bring our ordinary. God makes it extraordinary. So on to my fourth point for this morning, the last one here. Our limitations become his demonstrations. Again, Exodus chapter 4, verse 10 says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. You know what's happening here? Moses is starting to try and disqualify himself. He's come up with initial doubt. God said, I'm always going to be with you. He's saying, well, what about this and what about that? God's given him a plan A. He's given him a plan B and he's given him a plan C. And still there is the natural human tendency to go, well, okay, I'm not winning this argument with God. He's telling me he's going to do all these amazing supernatural things. So how about I dial this back a little bit? How about I really help God understand that me as a physical person, here's all the reasons why I can't do this. Because clearly I can't outdo God on the supernatural. Anyone tried to do that? Outdo God on the supernatural? He just comes back with more things. So then he dumbs it down. He goes, okay, God, what about me? You can't change this about me. I'm not that great at talking. I can't do a great job of this. Don't you think God knew that? I really don't think it was a surprise to God that he knew that Moses was not, in his own mind at least, a naturally gifted public speaker. Who is? When I first started doing this, I was far from hopefully reasonably competent that I am now. Far from it. And I think God kind of knew that as well. And he encouraged me all the way. So Moses didn't even consider that his limitations weren't God's limitations. And that's the same for us. Our limitations are not limitations at all. They're only limitations in our own eyes. But if we give them power, then they can become empowering to us. And you read that in other parts of the Bible. What happened there was that Moses, to use the phrase, he wasn't looking outside the box. He said, well, God, here's a problem. It's me and Nothing's going to happen with my speech. We didn't have speech pathologists way back then. There wasn't any surgery that could have happened to help with my speech, um, things that were happening there. He wasn't looking outside the box, but God always was. How do we know that? Verse 11, the Lord said to him, 
Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? It is not I, the Lord. So again, God's trying to go, Moses, I, I hear you, but you're not hearing me. Don't you know that I know these things? Verse 12, this is God speaking to him. Now go, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. And that is a huge step of faith right there. God's saying, it's okay, I hear you, but I will help you. But you've got to admire Moses' staying power along the lines of, I really can't do this because I can so relate to this guy. In some areas of my life I go, Moses, what were you thinking? Like, why wouldn't you? And yet in other areas of my life I'm going, oh, I'm so there, Moses. I've done that. I've done the yes, God, but I can't because of. Oh, okay, that didn't work. But God also, what about, and God keeps on saying, it's okay, it's okay. So I really get Moses where he's at. Verse 13, he continues. He's trying. He's, you can just see Moses squirming here. Verse 13, Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Ultimately, God's given him all the answers. He's gonna, it's all going to be fine. And he's going, look, this is just all too much. Please send somebody else. You know, in all of this, we've still got our own will. God will never force us to do anything. He never forces us to come to Jesus. He doesn't force a world to come to Jesus. He never forces us to do anything. We always have free will. We always have. Right back in Genesis, you read in the beginning of the Bible, God always gave us free will. He wants better for us, but the choice is always us. So God says no, but let's pick it up in verse 14 through to 16. God says, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you. And that's amazing in itself. Like they didn't have high-speed internet back then. So how did, they, how did you know that? Well, he was God basically. He will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and, it will, and teach you what to say. He will speak for the people and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. Isn't that incredible? God's going, I get that, but here's the solution. I still want you to be part of the problem. So even though there might be constraints around our lives and we might not think that we can be 100% of whatever it is God wants us to do, he still wants us very much front and centre part of the plan. And he will work with our limitations. He'll provide alternate solutions and he'll give us the assistance and he'll give us the resources that he knows we need. Why? Because his plans and purposes are going to prevail. We just get to be a part of it. So just leave the details to God. Uh, and he will be there seeing it through. As I wrap up here, so thank you, team, if you could please come as well, the uh, creative team that is. Exodus 4, verse 17. We're getting towards the end of Exodus 4 here. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. So Moses has gone through all these other reasons, all these things, why? And God said, yeah, I've got that, I've got that, I've got that, I've got that. God says, okay, that's fine. Hey, don't forget the beginning of the story. Grab your stick. What's in your hand? Don't forget your stick. Take what's in your hand. So God is about action, and he ultimately says, go. As I wrap up here, verse uh, back into Exodus chapter 4 and verse 19 to 20, and you'll see this on the screen. We pick it up on verse 19. Now the Lord had said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. 
So God gives us the go. Verse 19, God says go. There's some other key things in here before we finish. Verse 20, he took his staff, the stick. He took what was in his hand. He did that. And note, it was in his hand. It wasn't packed away somewhere. It wasn't in a suitcase to take, you know, with all the archive stuff. It wasn't going to end up in storage somewhere or in the back shed once he eventually got out of Egypt. He took it with him. Why? He knew the importance of it. It wasn't a stick. It wasn't to become a mento. It wasn't to get polished and put up on um, a mantelpiece or some sort of display cabinet. It wasn't there to admire. It was to use. So whatever God equips us with, whatever our sticks are, they're not there to polish and look at. They're there to actually use. And they need to be readily accessible. Verse 20 says he put it in his hand. It could have even been I know, in a pouch slung over his back. No, Moses was action ready. He put the stick in his hand, ready for action, ready to use what God had placed on his heart at any moment and time. And that's incredibly powerful, I believe. So let me go back to the beginning of this whole message of what's in your hand. And I know that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to people here this morning and he's given you some insights into what is in your hand and what are the things that he's placed inside of you. Before I had a sense in my heart, even before I came up here, that there were some people here and if I know it's been a struggle for you to even get here today. And in your mind is like, if people only knew what it took me to get here. But you, you are here to hear a message exactly like this. Or maybe it's taken all that you can to press play. Maybe you're listening to this on our podcast or you're watching it on the YouTube channel and it's taken everything that you can muster inside of you to keep on watching. Because I dare say for some of you, tears have been rolling down your eyes as you've been hearing this message and being challenging. And God, I thought I had a great stick, but what happened to it? My stick got broken. God is in the restoration business. God can heal anything that's happened in your life. So let me encourage you. What's in your hand? What's your stick? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the message that you brought through me. But I thank you because it's a message from you. Lord, I thank you that you've equipped each of us uniquely, specifically, Lord. The things that make us unique and special, they're there by design, Lord God. You made us, every one of us, uniquely special. God, if one of us don't do what you would like us to do, then... Everyone misses out, Lord. And so I thank you that that's not through pressure, but to us to understand, Lord, the significance, the vitalness, the importance that every single one of us play in this journey of life, Lord, in the way that you want to use us. God, I pray that you will bring to everyone's hearts and minds those things that you've placed before us. I thank you for that in Jesus' precious name. Just while your eyes are still closed, you know, the most important thing, is that maybe your life represents that stick and you feel like your life is so broken. Well, it could be because maybe you don't know Jesus. You don't know the person who can mend sticks. Jesus can make that stick as if it were brand new again. He gives us completely new life by his blood. And you have an opportunity right now to say yes to Jesus. All I'm going to ask you to do 
while every, how, every eye is closed, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand if you want to respond by saying yes to Jesus. And that's all I'll ask you to do is just to raise your hand. And after I've seen that, you can put that down. And we will all pray a prayer that asks Jesus into your heart, that he brings life and liberty and he restores wholeness. It's as simple as saying yes to Jesus. And then I'll let you know a few more things that you can do to help you on that journey. So as I look around this morning, if that's anyone, you just pop your hand up so I can see that. And I know that we can all pray together to encourage you on that journey. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. As I look around, just nice and high so I can see that. You're not just moving. Thank you, Jesus. And maybe you're listening to this on a podcast or you're watching this on the YouTube channel, then I'm including you in this as well. So if you've said yes by raising your hand or you said yes in your heart, uh, then why don't you repeat this prayer after me and we'll all pray this together. Lord Jesus, I ask you into my heart. I ask you to repair all my brokenness. I ask you to forgive all of my sin and make me whole in Jesus' name. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Amen. Thank you. I pray this is just for you. Thank you, Lord, for those people that have responded and prayed to that. God, I pray that you will just make this so alive and so living and so powerful for each of them in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you said yes to that, we've got an amazing tool we'd love you to be a part of. Uh, it's the ability to text the word yes. Text it to this number, 0488826392. Just text the word yes. What will happen? At 7 a.m. each morning, we'll send you a verse from the Bible and a sample prayer that you can pray along with that. And that will just really help establish your growth and your ongoing journey as a Christian. It doesn't start at saying yes. Sorry, it doesn't finish at saying yes. It starts by saying yes. And reading the Bible regularly is a great way. And if you've got any other questions, if you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, we've got our Connect Hub to the left-hand side there as you uh, leave the auditorium. We'd love to give you one and help you with anything else you might like to know about this journey of God. So please make sure you avail yourself of that. Fantastic. Well, I hope that was a blessing to you all. And I keep on meditating on the things that God has spoken to you. So uh, I'll hand back to you. 